production and audio editing brought to you by Richard Borger with Meraki Recordings. I, I just uh, started Lentless Anything because I wanted people to eat together and not have to worry about money. I think money is uh, quite a strange thing. And as much as I like strangeness, I think it's nice to embrace familiarity first and then we'll deal with the strange. <laughs> Lentil is Anything is a pay-as-you-feel concept that opened its first restaurant in Melbourne in 2000, where you won't find any prices on the menu. They have a donation box and credit card machine off to one side, where you can pay for what you can afford. Those who can't pay are encouraged to volunteer their time with the friendly, inviting staff. In fact, the majority of people you interact with behind the counter are volunteers, and nearly all of the funding comes from individual donations. The restaurant also works to eliminate food waste in Australia by partnering with grocery stores, fresh food markets, and even their own personal cultivation plots. The concept is simple. Share what you can, take what you need, and everyone has a spot at the table. We sit with the creator, Shanaka, as he takes us through where his concept originated, what he's learned along the way, and where it's headed. Stay with us as we learn how the past and the future of Melbourne is shaped by the residents at the table. Welcome to Culture and Cuisine, the podcast, season two, where we are creating conversations in the Melbourne community to show that everybody is from somewhere. Even the locals of today are shaped by the foreigners of the past. And with that, we can begin to understand and appreciate the diversity around us. I'm your host, Casey Hirschman. Today, the marketing director of Lentil is Anything begins by touring us around the newly renovated location in Abbotsford. Okay, so obviously we're inside an old convent, Abbotsford Convent. This is the nuns' dining hall, which is quite sweet or creepy, depending on how you feel about nuns. <laughs> so uh, we got a grant from the Multicultural Commission. Um, that is the only help we've had. Otherwise, we kept serving out on the veranda while we were renovating. Um, we get no assistance whatsoever. Everything we make comes from yeah. <laughs> People leaving donations or online or um, you can tap $12 or you can leave however much you like, which is amazing, really, when you think about it, that we've been running 18 years on donations. If you can't afford to eat, uh, pay, you don't have to. After showing us the new location of the cafe, which follows a pay-it-forward mentality, pointing out the newly painted yellow walls, which were completed by a volunteer he later learned was homeless, and introducing us to many of the joyful, loving staff, we sat down at an outdoor table to get a better understanding of the Lentil as Anything concept. Sharing the table is Shanika Fernando, creator and owner of Lentil as Anything. I'm Shanika Fernando. Thank you. Um, I'm the founder of Lentil as Anything. We are also joined by Jessica Tana. And I'm Jessica Tana. I'm the media manager at Lentil as Anything. And my in the field co host, Lila Fournier. Yeah, I'm Lila Fournier, and I'm the co host today. Jessica begins by sharing the slogan of the restaurant Everyone deserves a seat at the table. 
She elaborates on what that means for Lentil is Anything and what they are passionate about creating for the world. The food, the concept of the restaurant is just an excuse. So food is an excuse to get people to sit together and talk together. Um, <laughs> so the idea is that we have um, a businessman next to somebody who could be homeless and they're sharing the same food at the same table. And that's really part of um, our, our mentality, yeah. our message. I love that. It's just the same kind of notion of culture and cuisine is like, you know, everyone's really the same at their core. We all have humanity in common. And, um, you know, food brings people together. And food, just like people, is at its core the same. It's just different based on, on where you're from. We transition into gaining an understanding of the inspiration behind the concept. So you talk about some um, tribes. What tribes? Like from your country, Sri Lanka, or in, in where, whereabouts? I visited initially. My first contact with the tribe was the forest people of Sri Lanka. They're called the Vedas. They um, originated um, from the African region and um, dur during the continental split, the Australian Aboriginal people came to the Australian continent and then Sri Lankan in indigenous people ended up uh, in Sri Lanka, but um, there is a, a genetic connection between the Australian Aboriginal people and the Vedas of Sri Lanka. And um, there, uh, just uh, I had to write an article as a copywriter for the advertising film of the government of Sri Lanka about um, how the indigenous people were very keen to uh, embrace modern living and, and give up their traditional lives in exchange for electricity and concrete and education and when I went and interviewed them I realized that they didn't want any of that, they just wanted to be left alone to live life uh, traditionally as they had done for thousands of years and so I, I, that really struck me about the, the, the depth, the sophistication, how profound these people were, I had the fortune as a 19 year old to sit in silence with a couple of the tribal elders and that silence was a, was a, a, a magical silence. It was uh, something I hadn't experienced before in my urban uh, upbringing um, where noise pollution was an assault uh, against anything uh, introspective. <laughs> so I feel that um, for me, human society from that point is defined by uh, what we don't do rather than by what, what we do. And, uh, and that led me to want to explore. After Shanaka's experience with the tribes of Sri Lanka, he came back to Australia but decided he had more to learn from the world. He tells us a bit more about the six years of travel he embarked on after that. I visited tribes from the Philippines that have been discovered in the 1970s uh, to a, a tribe that still live independent of what we call civilization in the, uh, the uh, foothills of uh, East Java in Indonesia. And then I traveled to East Africa and then I ended up in the Amazon where I stayed with the tribe in the Amazon as well. And uh, all of those tribes, to me, um, the, you know, some of the, the, the characteristics of their lifestyle was uh, 
having a space and a place for everyone to express themselves. Uh, the, the children especially had a clear sense of belonging and identity and, and the codes of respect were very uh, clear and strong. Um, and so for me, uh, coming to this, coming back to uh, you know what we call modern civilization, I, I felt that embracing some of those tribal um, values would be an interesting experience and an experiment. And also in terms of tribe, because I know that most of the tribe, they're, they want to stay connected to nature, especially yeah. in Latin America. For them, nature is a... I don't know, it's just like the most important thing in their lives. Like they have to embrace nature and respect it, yes. Mother Nature. Um, is it also something that you uh, want to use in your concepts? Like for example, I read that you, um, you have your food from growers and farmers. Yes. So is it a way for you to connect to nature? It is, absolutely. Uh, when I first started the restaurant, I lived in a tent for the first two years because I wanted to live as close to nature as possible. I lived by, by the beach in a tea tree reserve. And I think uh, most of our journey has been a, a, an exercise in embracing um, simplicity and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, nature and its gifts. Um, in its purest state is, is what we aim for and to try and uh, consign money to be as l less and less important as possible. So 18 years after starting the, the restaurants now we are growing our own produce to an extent as well um, and uh, we're rescuing food from supermarkets and places that reject uh, items because of minor blemishes um, and uh, so we've, we run a program called Food Without Borders um, and then we also have the inconvenience store. Lentil is Anything launched their inconvenience store in 2018 which is a rescue food grocery store where you can also pay as you feel or bring in excess produce from your gardens to exchange for other goods. So it's just about um, fostering a sharing culture, you know, sharing uh, human character, the essence of what, uh, uh, and the uniqueness that we all have, and, and to bring that, those eccentricities out into the open to celebrate the diversity we have uh, as human beings, you know, and to, Lentil is Anything isn't just based upon the concept of sharing food and sharing the table. One of its fundamental principles is volunteering, and the majority of the staff are volunteers. Shanaka discusses his views on volunteering with us. It's, it's really weird for me that we work for money and there is a separation between work and life. It should all be life, and all our actions should be uh, a source of rich experience and um, enrichment, really. So um, volunteering really embraces and symbolizes that. You know, I, every volunteer who comes here comes because they love and they want to contribute. I saw once uh, written on the wall, we come here not for the income but for the outcome. Mm -hmm. And that is really lovely. We ask Shanaka about the typical volunteers they see at Lentil as anything. He shares with us the opportunity they are working to create for many of the volunteers. 
Yes, we, we try to shy away from the kind of labels like okay. refugee, yeah. prostitute. Yeah. I've been a refugee prostitute myself. <laughs> but um, I, I think it, most of it is just to, you know, if, if the sort of commercial and capitalist culture has uh, marginalized uh, sections of the community, yeah. we want to open up a space that. Uh, uh, invites participation once again, especially for those people who did get disenfranchised by the trends of convention. So, uh, in when we first opened in St Kilda, all the crazies came to us. <laughs> it was so exciting. There was this one guy with a pig strapped on his head, and he wanted to be a barrister. And yeah, and there was a guy who thought of himself as Moses, and he wore a robe and had a staff. And, uh, he had a crown of thorns, so he was confused about whether it was Jesus or Moses. And he's trying to unite the Old Testament and the New. <laughs> and so all these people came and they, they participated in a practical way, even though their, their character and uh, uh, general uh, state was commercially unviable. They, they were uh, socially very viable because it created a very interesting and uh, quirky space yeah. that stood out against the rest. So people were curious, even the conservative people go, what the hell's going on here? Who's that Moses looking character and the guy with the pig strapped on his head and, and these, these strange looking people and so they would want to find out a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, so it became a celebration of the weird and the wonderful, I think. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a soft toy pig. It's not a real pig. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. And it was halal. Lentil <laughs> <laughs> is Anything's first location was opened in St. Kilda in Melbourne. We asked why Australia was selected as the birthplace of Lentil is Anything. Well, when I first left Sri Lanka and I came to Australia as a 17-year-old on a rugby scholarship, actually, um, I, I just felt that there was a sense of uh, youthfulness to this country, despite its, uh, you know, ancient heritage with the indigenous people. Um, there was a sense of uh, being willing to try out new things and. And I also realized that me coming from a different culture uh, was quite exotic to this culture. It was a new injection of something. Mm. And so I, I really felt like, uh, you know, this was a place to try out something new. And, and you know, not as, uh, not new for the sake of being new, but mm. something that could, you know, inject something uh, um, stimulating and provocative uh, and uh, pose some questions to the community. Although Lentil as Anything was born in Australia, it doesn't stick to traditional Australian or English dishes. Shanaka shares a bit about his experience of English food and the efforts of the restaurants to introduce the community to alternative cuisines. Oh my god, what? How do these people survive for so many years? Oh, come on, mushy peas, mushy peas. There's genius behind there. After about the first week, I never left the house without my bottle of chili sauce in my pocket. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, do you, do you try to, um, to put on your menu some Sri Lankan uh, dishes or from the region? or What we try and do is encourage everybody that comes from a different culture to cook food that is familiar to them. To use this, the, the culture and the, 
the instincts that they already have to contribute that and that way I think we tend to get uh, a, a taste of the authentic the main thing is to show that people who come from different cultures come here to contribute and they bring something very valuable to this society and uh, they're not here to take they're here to give so the menu can change every day Oh my god, it changes every day. Every day. Every hour. <laughs> it changes yes. continuously. Yes. And we're almost embracing at most of the restaurants now an open menu where we use the, the food that we have, uh, the vegetables that are in season. Um, again, this makes us more sustainable, but it also gives this dynamic, interesting, uh, every day is a new thing. Um, you might order the same meal, but day to day, it'll have different vegetables in it or a different flavor. Lentil is Anything is a vegan restaurant. They stick to vegan cuisine to help further their mission of being sustainable and eliminating food waste in the world. We ask them if they currently grow any of their own food. We, we do. So we have, a, we have a plot down here uh, by the river. Um, and we have a gardening program with volunteers um, and so we, we stock as much as possible. We have another plot in Preston which is about three times as big as this um, and it's also quite a dynamic um, source of uh, food for the kitchens and the idea is to become as independent of the monetary system as possible so that we can um, you know we can uh, uh, be sustainable and, and strong within our own right and uh, to just to bring back this village uh, attitude back into society where people shared uh, and didn't care about you know the, 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 the growth of the individual based on material uh, possessions but, but our sense of kindness and the sense of talent and uniqueness that we bring, to use that as a tool to, to enrich our communities. And so the rest of your ingredients, where do they come from? Uh, we smuggle them through refugees <laughs> on boats. <laughs> um, well, quite, uh, quite a bit of the ingredients we source locally, um, and we, we, but we still have to rely on some um, overseas uh, produce, uh, like some of the uh, spices that cannot be either grown in Australia or um, uh, you know, found here. So uh, for the most part, I think we are becoming less and less reliant on um, you know, um, produce from this great distances that you know, increase our carbon footprint. Um, so we, we Traditionally, even in Sri Lanka, when I was growing up, we have about almost 24,000 villages in Sri Lanka, and most of the community live in a rural setting, and people just have cottage gardens, and you know, one person might grow an abundance of uh, carrots, and then they'll share it with the person who grows eggplants, and you know, it, it, uh, they would uh, uh, create a communal market in each village to um, just to, to share. And that's hopefully what we're heading towards with our inconvenience store, the food rescue, um, stocking the shelves with, um, with a diversity of produce, but then also running cooking workshops and um, uh, educating people on how to make simple and nutritious meals. Yeah. 
So do people come in like they're like, I've grown all these carrots yeah. and like, I'll trade you this? Yes. Oh wow, that's yes. so cool. Yes. Yeah, or like a huge amount of time or like some, uh, yeah. some herb that, that went crazy in their garden. They're just like, please take it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to mention that we take all our compost as well from the restaurants mm -hmm. to our veggie gardens as well. Oh, so we've got a nice, a nice little circular thing going on. The restaurant has seen tremendous growth since it opened in 2000. We asked Shanaka how long it took from concept origination to door opening. Casey, to be honest, not long at all because I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> and you're doing everything all at once. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, let's have a, let's open a restaurant. And uh, I was chatting with this guy, uh, a stranger. I, I was playing. I challenged him for a game of chess. I saw him playing chess outside uh, with someone out uh, on a cafe on Ackland Street in St Kilda. His name was Richard, and I. I I said, can I play the next game? And he said, yeah, sure, come. And anyway, he, he thrashed me in chess. But we, were, we started chatting, and I, I learned that he also lived in a tent, and he had been inspired by Henry David Thoreau, the, the American, uh, you know, philosopher, naturalist. And what, Walden, is that? Yeah, Walden yeah. was the main book that he wrote, and I, 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 that became my Bible for the six years I traveled around the world. Wow. I carried this book under my uh, <laughs> arm and uh, read it frequently. Um, so yeah, I, um, I, I've forgotten your question. <laughs> uh, the, from inception yeah, to so, opening. So yeah, it, it, was, um, it was just a very sort of spontaneous yeah. thing. I, I was chatting with Richard and Richard said, hey, um, you know, I'm a homeless guy, you know, technically homeless. I've chosen to live in a tent because mm -hmm. I don't like the material system. Conscientious objector. Uh, how do I afford to eat nicely? And said, well, we should open a restaurant mm. for everybody and see what happens. Yeah. What about letting people contribute as they can? Mm -hmm. well, you know, it's a it, a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. um, we don't create the rules. Let's let's um, see how we can organically um, create a, a a system that um, yeah. you know celebrates what everyone can give. Yeah. Shanaka launched his concept before it was trendy to eat locally, eat healthily, or eat environmentally sensitive. However, his locations remained open. After some bantering, we convinced him to share with us the secret of his success. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> okay, no, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, I, I really think that people love the sincerity of what we were doing and the fact that we were not interested in their money and you know we, we were more interested in who they were as a person and uh, it just created a unique um, sort of atmosphere mm -hmm. in the space people interacted with each other more willingly opened themselves out to each other sometimes more than others wanted but <laughs> but by and large I think um, it was the authenticity uh, the authentic nature of what was going on and the fact that it really celebrated some of the more neglected core values of the human being actually I wanted to prove how untrustworthy people were <laughs> and it failed <laughs> so yeah how did it work to uh, for people to to get to know your restaurant, did they did you communicate? I think word of mouth. Or? We have never spent a cent on advertising. Yeah. Uh, I generally feel that if if we are in the North Pole or the South Pole and we're doing something great, 
people will find it and they will come to it and that that has really worked for us lentil is anything doesn't actually track how much each individual contributes the contribution box or credit card scanner are located away from the food collection location to make the contribution truly anonymous shanaka shares some of the lessons this approach has taught him I think uh, generally what this whole journey has taught me is never judge people by the way they look yeah. because uh, often people that look down and out yeah. might be the most generous contributors to lentil and the people that might look like they they do have extra money to to contribute might want to hold on to that because of maybe some confused values so uh, that has really been quite a interesting uh, journey for me and you know i was quite excited about the whole hippie culture you know dreadlocks and people with tie dyes and no, but peace I was, and love um, man i was wondering if you like if you if it's really a place of um, of people who just mix as you say like from someone who's a lawyer a businessman who someone i don't know yeah, just yeah, any yeah. kind of people well, basically one of the yeah i was going to say we as as he was saying we really can't we can't yeah. tell yeah. so um, we we know what happens we get we get interesting letters and we get um, i'm running the website and i can tell you that in the same week we've had a 400 dollar donation and a 2 dollar donation online wow. so somebody actually logged on online to donate 2 dollars yeah. but wow. like why not and yeah. i mean that's the whole point it's not about how much or who does but um, I want to tell you one of the letters we received uh, this year it was from a family in Tasmania and they said that their son goes missing every now and then he has schizophrenia and he lives um, without shelter most of the time and um, they said that when we get in contact with him we said how are you eating and he said oh there's this place called lentil is anything and i eat there all the time um, don't worry about me, I'm fine. And so they wrote to us and gave us this large donation and said, thank you for being the family that we can't be for him and feeding him. This one actually made like half of the, the crew cry. Um, it was really, really sweet. Um, and we don't know who he is though. We have no idea who he is. We know he comes here and eats and that his family worry about him and can't find him, but that he is at least being fed. I keep looking at this regular old woman to see if it's him in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's the kind of story that makes, you know, everything worthwhile. Yeah. Like all of the sometimes crazy stuff and chaotic stuff. And you read something like that and you're like, this is why we're here. This is why we're doing all of this. Through the culture Lentil has created, people are beginning to give without requesting anything in return. Shanika shares the story of how they recently painted their newly renovated space in Abbotsford. Can I just say on the subject of the renovation, yes. um, uh, the, 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 you saw how high our ceiling is yeah. and what a big job it would be to paint that whole yeah. thing. Um, we had quotations of 10, 000, up to $10,000 to paint the ceilings. Then this guy turned up and he said, hey man, I've been eating at lunch for many years. I'm a painter, can I help out? And so I said, sure, what do you need? I'll just, I'll just buy me the paints and I'll, I'll do the job. And, and then another guy named Will came along and he said, hey, I'm a painter too. And suddenly we had Will and Dave, you know, I just got some scaffolding and some paints. And 
Within a few days, everything was painted by these two guys and I found that Dave was actually a homeless guy living under a tarp in Elstonwick and did such an amazing job and just, you know, without asking for anything. Shanika continues to share his views on how a society can be the most successful. A tribe shows that everyone has something to offer, everyone has a unique skill, like, you know, someone might have sharp ears to listen to the sounds of the animals to help the hunters know where, where that animal is. And you know, you've got to harness all that in a successful society, whereas we tend to create a vertical system where uh, uh, the rich, or the so-called rich, measure themselves by what people don't have, you know, by the poor and how unfortunate or the misfortune of others rather than, um, you know, uh, realizing that we're all in this together. And, and uh, the more uh, diversity and uniqueness we experience, that's the actual ultimate wealth uh, of the community. And to me, Lentil, I think, is a, is a good uh, advocacy for the government to, to uh, because governments are set up where a few people in a concrete building called parliament think on behalf of the mass of society and make decisions and, uh, and, and make assumptions, uh, but not educated assumptions. Whereas I think uh, a, a successful leadership culture would be to activate everybody in our society and to have trust and faith in the ability of people because that way people will be prone to giving and contributing positively. As Lintel has grown, more people are attracted to the idea. We ask Shanaka about other locations and cities that have made a request for the restaurant. Mm. Well, we do get invitations from around Australia and from other parts, even from Paris and um, we're currently got a group in Turin in northern Italy uh, trying to set up a place as well. Um, I think what Lentil um, represents and how we have sort of generated community in a positive way is quite attractive. People don't really understand how much energy um, it takes to, um, to make it happen um, and uh, are often uh, you know, they, are, they are attracted to the romantic idea of what we represent, but uh, the reality can be uh, a little bit more confronting. <laughs> I guess especially in a big city like Paris, for example, when it's very... Um, it's very, like, it's a big city and there's not a lot of parks. We, we do have parks, but it's not as, ma as many as in Melbourne or, like, you say that you can grow your own vegetables and fruits, it's amazing. Uh, we can do that in Paris, but just a little bit. I'm not sure that we are ready. Like, we are ready for the concept for sure, mm. but I'm not sure that in terms of the ingredients. Well, we Paris is pretty progressive compared to other world cities because the French government uh, made it illegal to dispose of edible food to supermarkets. That, mm. that was a world yeah. first. So I did a tour of Paris just to try and explore where it would be best to set up a lentil and I, of my brief research I felt that the Belleville area uh, and near the Butchamont Park, you know, District 19 would be a perfect yeah. location. So 
we have got a team trying to find a venue there but even in the park itself there are a couple of neglected areas uh, and there's a closed down restaurant there which uh, we have applied to try and take over um, and by the restaurant there is about uh, a third of an acre of vacant land that could be cultivated. But I, I'm very excited because I can see like you know artists performing and you know they, I just love that sort of expressionism in Paris that you know especially the the, the, the refugee cultures you know. You also have plans in Berlin, plans in Italy, <laughs> plans in Prague. Plans yeah, in yeah, we'll, we'll see. And we'll see. In Australia, to take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> and in Australia. You open one in Sydney. Is it also you behind it, or yeah, 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 yeah we manage that. Okay. I try to go once every two months to Sydney. And, yeah. uh, that uh, one is huge as well. I highly recommend if you're in Newtown in Sydney to check it out. It's incredibly popular. We didn't expect so much support in wow. Sydney. Um, It's quite exciting. Yeah. yeah. And would you like to open more in other cities in Australia? Yeah, yeah. It, it really has taught, Sydney has taught us that, um, because in Melbourne, during winter, we really uh, suffer because most of our seating is outdoors and people don't want to experience the cold or what we see as cold. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, the si in the Sydney restaurant, it doesn't vary uh, because the, the winter is very mild. So I, I think for lentils, the business sustainability, it makes more sense to open along the eastern seaboard, uh, heading up north, like to Brisbane and maybe further up Cairns. We had yeah. a request from Perth the other day. Oh. Like, it's my, my hometown. <laughs> 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 they said, please come to Perth. <laughs> can, we, can we call it pathetic as anything? <laughs> no, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> we call ourselves personality. Maybe you got an inconvenience. <laughs> We've got an inconvenience still. Yeah, so, so we can have yeah, a We can play on, play on the negative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We conclude the interview with a final question about what the final impact Lentil is Anything is looking to leave on the world. Punch patronization in the guts. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> awesome. yeah. Thanks for having us on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice to meet all yeah. three of you. And look for us on Tinder. Because, because lentil is I'm trying 18, to talk him out of this one. Lentil is 18 years old ah, now, so we can create a Tinder profile for it. You know, it can, go, it can, go, <laughs> can go to nightclubs. Oh, I love it. We are thinking maybe Tinder and Grindr together. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't decided whether we're a boy or a girl yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in today's little way, I think it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't you know, matter. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, thank you guys. Okay. Pleasure. Production and audio editing brought to you by Richard Borger with Meraki Recordings.